Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode here on the Echelon Cycling Podcast, where we dissect what's been happening in the week in pro cycling and look ahead to what's happening in next week. As always, I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and, of course, also Mr. Kurgo himself, Ewan Wilson of the Cycling Dane. And, yeah, I mean, it's Tour de France. It's, well, when we're recording is the day before the rest day. But in terms of what's happened in the first week, Jonas Bingo has that yellow jersey and but it doesn't look like he's going to be taking it. But what's kind of been your highlights of the, the first week of the Tour before we go into various things? I just can't believe how like, Jasper Phillips has won three stages, to be honest with you. I think that's my highlight of the week. I keep on thinking, like, ah, there's no way he's going to win another one. And then I'm like, oh, there's no way he'll win another one. I mean, he's gone and done it all the time. I mean, he came second the other day as well. So he's like pretty much got my green jersey uh, sealed up. And, you know, there's been a good a lot of, a good amount of GC action as well. Of course, Jonas and Pogacar at the front of that. But there's kind of like, there's, there's actually some interesting kind of fights between kind of third to seventh let's call it which is intriguing it provides a good little bit of kind of reason to keep tuning into the mountain stages i think those two days of the pyrenees we had us at uh, stage five and stage six were fantastic in terms of how this like gc seesaw effect where one day Jonas looked untouchable we were sort of saying oh my god it's over with Hinley as well going up the road we thought well what's Hinley gonna do it's interesting to have a new protagonist in there and then on stage six throwing in Pogaccia gaining time on Jonas and then even today on Puidom seeing Pogaccia gain more time I think it's been a really interesting battle between Jonas and Pogaccia last year we saw it a lot but it felt like it was a little bit futile because Pogaccia lost so much time at Granon but this year it's it's super close still Pogaccia's off day was enough to make it still exciting and yeah I mean in a first week of of a Tour de France I don't think we've had this much GC action in I mean, at least in my viewing experience at the Tour de France, it's been remarkable. When you think about it, like the Sky era was pretty boring in this kind of week. It would be kind of be safe throughout the week. And then on the mountain stage, take the yellow jersey and then just fight off Contador or whoever. But I mean, I think, yeah, the first thing we're going to start about is Tadim Gacha. Obviously, we'll get to Mark Cavendish as well, because that was a big shame for Mark Cavendish fans, British fans, whatever, whatever. But in terms of, yeah, your Unis Vingor has the jersey. He only has a handful of seconds now, courtesy of what happened in Puy de Dome. Yeah, is Tadok Gacha going to win this Tour de France now? And if so, how? Because it really doesn't feel like Jonas Vingor is in the driving seat at all, despite having the yellow jersey and potentially the stronger team on paper. Yeah, it does kind of feel like he's like you're losing the control of this jersey. I feel like today was a big kind of statement because I thought, you know, what was it? Stage, was it stage five where Pogaccia lost? kind of like a minute or so and I was on like this the steep section of the final climb and I thought today with the steep section of Aquita Dom I was expecting Vingegaard to be the one to actually gain a bit more time on the steeper section thinking that that suits him more than Pigaccia, but that wasn't the case at all and now I'm not really sure what to expect to be honest with you because I feel like the main thing is like Cordes de la Loz, Grand Colombier but we saw Pigaccia win up there I feel like the ball is in Pigaccia's court Ewan and I both put our names next to Pigaccia to win this race so it feels good that he's not just out of a race already I think that he's going to keep chipping away to be honest with you I'm not sure if there'll be a whole a huge kind of Glanon style raid from Pogacar's end, just because I'm not sure if his team have the capabilities to get a guy in a break and stuff like that. They don't have that Wild Van Art kind of jack of all traits. I mean, they probably do, but not to the extent of Wild Van Art. Like, Wild Van Art will be there as well. So I don't see them doing something like that. I think it'll just be a slow 
whittling down process mountain by mountain you know maybe he'll crack Vingegaard a bit more and gain 30 seconds back but then again like we saw the punch counter punch maybe Vingegaard takes 30 seconds back we just I feel like it's completely up in the air how it's going to go and I think that's actually that's the best place for the race to be right now is that it's got a lot of intrigue still yeah I mean it's pretty open 17 seconds and we've had one day where Vingo is brilliant, and then two days where Pogacar has been good, but not sort of gaining over a minute, which does leave things in the balance. Grand Colombier definitely suits Pogacar. Uh, if that Beaujolais stage is ridden hard, Pogacar could be in the mix as well. Um, similarly, at the weekend, we have that stage to Morzine at Juplan. Don't quite know how that'll go. Then the day after the Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc, I think that will probably suit Pogac a little bit more. It's a shorter climb. But I think for Jumbo, they have to try to plan something big for the Caudalot stage. That's probably how Jonas wins this. But Pogacar looks like the stronger of the two all round at the moment. We always, we've always known that Vingo is a little bit better and there's harder, longer and tougher sort of climbs. That's where Caudalot Laws, I think, will play a really key part. But last week on the Tourmalet, Pogaccio was still there, even when Yumbo Vesma threw everything onto that climb. Satellite riders will be important in the next week with Van Aert in particular, but how tired is Van Aert? Stages 10 and 12 are brilliant chances for Van Aert to get a stage win. How much is he going to invest in that before we hit the mountains at the weekend? They'll be frustrated as well, given the disappointment of Wout Van Aert missing that stage win in this first week, given how many chances there were for him to get one. And I still feel like UAE, they haven't done much. Mike is looking really good. I mean, he hasn't been quite climbing up there with the best, but he comes across the line looking fresh as anything, whilst Kurs and Kelderman and so forth are looking a little bit cooked when they come across the line. Golshardner's looking good, but just waiting for those key moments. I really think UAE are going to pounce into that final week and turn around this Tour de France, particularly on that TT. I think Pogacar gains maybe 20, 30 seconds on Jonas there, at least. I think it was such a big mistake, like you said, you and how much they've invested into the Wild Van Art project. Was that the reason why the team potentially was knackered in the Puy de Dome stage? We'll never know. But yeah, UE just doesn't have that dual focus. Okay, they won with Adam Yates, which was an amazing bonus, but it's all in for the Pogaccia show. So yeah, it's and, the and they don't have a Roglic either. So it's yeah, but UE have a Yates. I know he's he's trying to get top five, but. I thought he well, was all he, on board Pogacar. It's co-leadership, but we don't quite know where the co-leadership thing is coming. They also joked about the co-leadership thing on the UAE behind the scenes like video. I wasn't sure if it was like a sort of, ha ha ha, we weren't expecting it, but let's be co-leaders. Maybe maybe it's all just a ploy for Adam Yates to be used later on in this race uh, as a toy for Jumbo Visma. Jumbo Visma have been looking pretty good so far. In, in in the mountains, but it's very well, I mean very good in the mountains. Sepkus is great. Kelderman's looking been looking good as well. A little bit underwhelming, say on Puy de Dom, used a little bit earlier than, than I would have imagined. But Yumbo are predictable. We could read one hundred percent what was happening on that stage to Coterie. That was they tried to just pull off what they did at Granon and Otakam last year. Pogaccia had the likes to follow. Uh, even though the, the tactics there were, were were perfect. On Puy de Dom, we kind of knew what was going to happen. Jumbo Visma going to set the pace high, try to challenge Pogacar. Because of that steep finale, it really suited Jonas, given how he really attacked the, the Mary Blanc last week. So Jumbo, they need to do something remarkably different to last year, because at the moment, it's a new year waiting, because they know, well, Jumbo are going to do the work. Let's let Jumbo do it, because they're just going to try and pull off what they did last year. That's why I feel like in that last week of racing, Jumbo Visma might be running out of fresh ideas, and new year just cruise home with Pogacar and Yellow. Yeah, I agree. Going back to like a while of an art, because I think that is a... I, I think you're right. There's been 
he's missed quite a few chances now for his fault or somebody else's or just whatever. You know, that's going to start playing on him where he's like, oh, I don't know, he's just got this desire where every tour he needs to at least win a stage or something. And, you know, it's going to get to a point where it's like, is he gonna is he gonna let this go or is he gonna keep going all the way until the end? I mean he has won on the Champs Elysees before I'd say that, you know, that's always a possibility once more. But you know, he definitely seems to have let go of this green any green jersey ambitions. Maybe that's team orders or or whatever, um, or whether he just can't be bothered with it again, or World Champs is playing into it as well and being fresh and whole other things. But yeah, Wout is kind of running out of opportunities and I think you're right about Yumbo R relatively predictable in how they in how they ride. I think, you know, that surprise of the Grand on stage that isn't an element in there this year. You were very alive to that threat. They were very alive to it over Tormley. And yeah, like you're saying you and I think you know, most people who watched it all last year and the Netflix documentary probably thought, oh, they're gonna try something else on this stage. And it didn't work out. And as a matter of fact, it backfired because they ended up losing time. So I feel like Yumbo might, like you say, get a bit more and more desperate as to like, how the hell do we do this? Do we just do we just attack with Jonas and just go full gas? I think Pogacar is almost mentally winning the tour right now, despite the fact that he's not actually winning the tour. 100%. I think the vibes in UAE are so much better. I know, I know like we talk about what's Pekilo and all this kind of like jargon, but you know, sometimes vibes are like important for a team some real cyclismo coming out. And I think UAE, just the vibes are so much more chill there. The Pogacar has already won two tours to France. He's been building back. He's still got this wrist injury that he's coming back from. Yeah, I mean, he, did, he didn't wear his brace, like the bandage thing today, which is the first time in a week. I think I first time I've noticed that he might have worn it, not worn it on stage eight or whatever. He was like, you know, what? I'm going to go for the sprint on stage eight. And he did it. He's uh, out outside the team bus playing basketball with, with Bas Titema. He's joking around with the press about croissants. Like, it, it's just so chill. Pogacar's so chill at the moment. My vehicle is getting, like, battered by Andy Schleck and Lekip, who called him arrogant and shy. Then you've got uh, this Yumbo attention where Wout Van Aert is sort of bashing his handlebars on the way to the team bus every day. And there's all this pressure at Yumbo Visma about what they're going to do. This sort of hyper focus on Yumbo Visma, on, on Jonas Vingegaard. And I just feel like Pogacar's kind of, he's winning at the moment. 17 seconds back, that's nothing. All it is is like if he wins on Grand Colombier with like a little bit of a gap to second place, that's it back. You know, it's it's not that big of an advantage and the vibes i mean y- yumbo will be pissed like if they if they like do everything correctly they'll be pissed like i don't buy this y- yonas being happy after stage six the team did everything that they could have done tactically and pogacha was better yeah they might feel a bit defeated but like they'll be pissed because the tactics were were, were pretty good whereas ue are just like meh we did nothing and we got time and like all their riders have been resting over the past four days, pretty much. Yeah, it's so silly. I, I think also Jumbo Visma have so much pressure on their shoulders because that near-perfect Tour de France they had last year, winning three jerseys, winning so many stages. I think the only way is down for them after that. 
They also have that limited edition merchandise line oh, that they're ready to release dreams. after the Tour de France. The hashtag Ride Your Dreams t-shirt. The oh. the the <laughs> tonus to like say it's like two Tour de France's or whatever. Like oh. that's <laughs> great. <laughs> trademark, <laughs> trademark that wow, one. That, that, is, <laughs> that is ballsy. That's Maybe. pretty right. It's pretty ballsy. We can buy it. We can buy it 50% off afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they literally had limited edition pink shoes ready to come out the day after Roglic won the Giro. They had the full Roglic merge. He was flown to the Netherlands like two days after the Giro to do like his like press loop on Dutch TV. And like the whole victory lap we had last year with Yumba Visma did come across as arrogant. Maybe they got the same kind of thing this year ready with all the merge and stuff ready to to roll out. They'll be annoyed um if they don't win uh we should watch out because we get quite a few comments saying that we're yumbo visma bashing we're just reporting what we're seeing yeah Yumbo-Visma, exactly the, the, moment, the momentum people it's with uae they are just yeah i mean right it's now. true it's true they're just they're, they are just playing it cool yeah the pressure's on yumbo to make the race totally yumbo are trying to make the race and pagacha's just mugging them at the line and it's gonna get to them they're gonna I'm start getting it. a bit we're going to start getting frayed at the edges. Too many goals as well. We might as well move on to the next kind of thing. Obviously, Mark Cavendish crashing was a big story. It kind of almost took the shine away from Mass Pilsen's victory on stage eight. But how do you kind of feel about this? Well, Mark Cavendish, do you think he's going to do another year? That's kind of the rumors going around. But do you also think now that the Merck's Cavendish record might not get broken by a writer? And if yes who and and if yes why will pagacha break it <laughs> okay firstly let's let's tackle the the cavendish retirement year long question so cavendish re- announced during the jury's tower that he would be retiring at the end of the year says he wants to spend more time with his family and spend more time on sort of real life that was before the tour de france with the aim of i will try to go for, for that stage win and, and end my tour de france career on my own terms now that hasn't happened he's crashed out there was an interview with alexander vinokurov in la keep uh, published where alexander vinokurov said we would like to take cavendish on for another year we want to make this dream come true uh, to get that 35th stage win Cavendish hasn't really responded to this or hasn't really said anything about staying on for another, for another year or not. I think on personal level, he sacrificed so much to probably be there for another year. And he said he wanted to be there for his family and so forth. And maybe he's booked a holiday for July next year. Who knows? It would be a huge sacrifice for him to do that. But he is also a sportsman, a real winner who wants that sort of drug. It's like, well, that stage winning drug. You want to get to that, to that 35th Tour de France stage. I'm going to say something quite radical. I like the fact he shares it with Eddie Merckx. I, I don't I necessarily want him to break yeah. the record. I agree with that. Because they've come, kind of come to the top of that record from different ends. And uh, yeah, but I think you're right with, he is very competitive. And I think, but you're right. Like, it's not just that he just turns up to the tour. He has to do all the prep. He has to do the preseason training. He has to do all this just to get the and uh, yeah, if he's if he's getting beaten by Jasper Philipson, it's another year added to his career. How old is he now? 38, 39. So yeah, 
But he was so close to beating Jesper Philipsen. <laughs> yeah. He was so close. And you know, think about that next year and with more arrivals, Jake Stewart, for instance, moving to Astana and maybe a, a stronger sprint train, a more well-drilled sprint train, that could push him to really come back. But it's up to him. I think, I don't know if we entertain the idea of him staying for another year, given that he's already publicly announced his retirement. It would be like a great PR thing again, then do it again at the Giro, announce... Uh, retirement and then get a whole oh, heap. Just, that's just the thing now just re- to get like what if he catches out the Tour de France again Ooh. <laughs> oh god imagine I say it wouldn't even be like other question oh, he, has looked, so he, he has looked better at his tour though I'm not sure if that is because of like Renshaw whether that's just like a placebo but Astana has well Astana Cavendish has been doing better I'm not sure whether Astana as a team are doing better they do seem to be positioning better right baseball I think has done a lot that's um, true but like what about with six other people yeah I mean David De La Cruz has not done much Atleti Lotsenko our favourite here on the Lutsenko, oh podcast he finished top 10 today yeah he's not been having a great first Lutsenko week alert. I hope he knows that he's a podcast favourite I'm not sure it's just he's just a meme. That's what he is. I don't know. I feel like have I don't really I honestly just don't know. I part of me thinks that he's probably just gonna sack it off and just be like, no, I'm retiring anyway. I feel like he'll probably end up just retiring. I think that he was always kind of like, Oh, I don't care about the record, I don't care about the record. But then he's come here trying to get the win, so obviously he does care to some extent, but I don't know whether he's just going to have like a change of heart and just be like, you know what? I'm sharing the record. It'll stand for a, probably like a decade at least more. And he's very happy with that. I, I think I would be if I was in his shoes. So I think he'll just commit to the retirement personally. I think it also adds just another like layer to the pathos of Mark Cavendish of like he came back after that brilliant 2021 Tour de France and we thought oh maybe he can win it again and then with that crash in the end he's always sort of had this level of heartbreak in his pathos crashing out in Harrogate in 2014 in front of the home crowds in the in the United Kingdom in 2017 crashing out in Vitel when Sagan sort of edged him to the to the barriers and he came down then and crying at uh at Kane's Wavelham in 2020, thinking that was the end of the road. I think with Cavendish, it, it always has been this sort of level of heartbreak and being on the edge of our seats, wondering where is this story going to go to next? And maybe we'll look back in this in five years' time and think, wow, that was kind of it added to the narrative, added to the power of Mark Cavendish as well. Still has the record as well. It's not it's just shared with Eddie Burks. So yeah. like you and said, I think it's fine. I think it, it just adds to the record that is two of the biggest uh, riders in history. The greatest rider of all time, Eddie Merckx, and the greatest sprinter of all time, Mark Cavendish, shares this record. Sharing of old and new as well, where Eddie yeah. Merckx was in an era where he could win a mountain stage, a hill stage, a sprint, whatever. And Cavendish was in this hyper-specialized modern era where you have a sprinter, which didn't really exist in the 1960s. Whereas Cavendish has just absolutely nailed the artist sprinting which has become such an important aspect of modern pro cycling so tad bagaccio winning it he's on 10 right now patrick do you think he's gonna beat it he's what 24 years old yeah three stages a tour i reckon he can do it on on average doesn't he win like three stages every tour that's pretty much like a on average so let's say he does that for the next 10 years he's easily beating it 
I was saying that he will see, you know, be remain competitive and some other freak wonder kid doesn't come out of a freaking woodwork who's currently seven or whatever. Um doing grass grass track on a single speed right now as we speak in freaking like Andorra or whatever. I think that Pagacha could do it, to be honest with you. I reckon he's the most realistic option because, you know, let's say, you know, he's on ten right now. I, I would honestly say that he could win another two or three in this race. So let's put him then on like theoretically like 12, 13 at that point. Then he needs to get another 20 ish. And I'm like, just 20. I, 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 think, I think it's possible. He's a proper just menace when it comes to getting stage wins. Like he just is. He does it. Just it's almost guaranteed. He'll rock up to a tour, barring crashing he will get a stage win because he's just a fast sprinter amongst the climbers. So if it ever comes down to that, he's always really deadly. I reckon that Pagach is the most likely candidate, to be honest with you. However, um, can... if he goes to the Giro, Juan Ayuso exists as, as well. Or so Juan Ayuso can go in. Yeah, but Oscar, then what? if he true. goes to the Giro next year, as you and been telling yeah. us, rumoured, then that's a year where he doesn't win three. So that yeah, already that's takes... True. Well, maybe just get Juan Ayuso on the freaking hype to get him to the tour now and get him getting some at the same time. Because the thing is about Cav is that he, as such a dominant sprinter, he could rake up not just three, but five in a tour. Six, even. Yeah. Philipson is 25. And he's won, what was it? He's won four now. Five. Five stages of the tour. He got two last year. This year, he could come out as tall as seven, so he needs like 20, 27. That's a bit of an ask, actually. To remain as such a dominant sprinter and win, like he would have to win five, he'd have to do basically what he's done this year for the next five years, which is a bit of an ask. I reckon you go and get some other crack sprinter, like an Olaf Coy, who you know, I'm gutted that he re signed with Jumbo. I reckon he could have done it, he could. Be the dominant sprinter, but other dominant sprinters get so squashed in their kind of younger years, whereas Cav at such a young age is already winning. So it's kind of hard, I guess, for a pure out-and-out sprinter to have that Cavendish-level dominance. But I think it's Pogaccia, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Agree, Pogaccia, but for him, I think he'll care more about getting six tours to France than getting the Medics record. Well, Medics and Cavendish record. I think 14 stages is how much Cavendish had when he was Jasper Philipson's age. Thereabouts. Yeah, so, so Philipson's already already needs to catch up. Cavendish also went until an old age. Um, yeah, that's true. Like, he had yeah. a longer shelf life than most sprinters, which is to his advantage. I think it'll be hard to see someone like that. Also, just thinking about Olaf Koy, side note, maybe in like three years' time, we're talking about like Jumbo Visma having Vingo for the Tour de France, and Olaf Koy is the new like spanner in the works. He's like the new Wild Van Art of, of Jumbo Visma in the future. This is why I was so, I was so good. To, I can kind of understand why I resigned, but honestly, it would have been so cool. Like, I was Caleb Ewan, really like the last real big hype sprinter that we had coming through. Like, do you remember him in the first days where he had proper. He was proper over the wheel. I remember so much hype about him coming out of like under 23. But it feels like a long time since we've had pure sprinter hype about some person coming out of under 23. Just like... Mm. The Lee? probably got it now. But like he's he's not like the pure sprinter. He's, kind of, he's that classic style sprinter. He's like a Kristoff. From um, back no, then. 
I mean, Philipson was pretty hyped in 2019. He was like yeah. a kid when he won his first World Tour race. Um, That's true. Yeah. And Jakobsen has, if you look at Fabio Jakobsen's record, he has like one of the highest amount of race wins before the age of 23. I mean, I know he's crashed a shit, but at the tour, he's just, he's got like one stage. He's been poo poo. He's been poo 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 poo. It's like it was a quick step. He just, yeah, he just like the tour's just not his place. Like he absolutely smashed a welter a couple of years ago. But I, and do you know why? Why? Because Bert von Leberge and, and Florian Seneschal were there, and they're not at this Tour de France. That's a crime that they're not at this Tour de France. Talking about leadouts and sprints, uh, we'll mm. touch on Jasper Phillips in a bit, but I want to focus about his leadout man. Well, we spoke about Mark Renshaw, best leadout man of his generation. Michael Merkel has kind of been, for a long time, being spoken about one of the best leadout men. But Macho Vanderpool. Do you guys think he's the best leader man right now, barring that Binny push? But uh <laughs> Yeah. I think he is, to be honest. Literally just the side by sides. There's been multiple stages now where other lead out men have gone toe to toe with Vanderpol and he has blown them out the water. When Mezgetch tried to bring up Gronavagan, blown out the water. When Laporte was leading out Whiteman Art in stage eight, blown out the water. But just like people can't even compete he Vanderpol just goes and just freaking sets off Philipson in tow and it's freaking lights out freaking see you later like freaking get to see you guys in the showers or whatever just like there's no point in even turning up once Vanderpol starts kicking off and especially when he's just like like he is Matthew Vanderpol he's not just a lead-up man he is the absolute just wonder that is Matthew Vanderpol lead as a lead out man that's insane like he hasn't really done much this tour but he has been completely integral to Philipson's success and at the moment he is probably the best lead out man in the peloton 100% agree I think we've seen it like every now and then in the past uh where he's worked with Philipson closely and I mean even Melier as well when when Melier used to be at Alpeson de Koenig their first ever Tour de France stage win who did the great lead out there? Mathieu van der Poel in that crazy day into Pontivy where there were crashes left, right, and center. This Tour de France, he's been there powering away. Every time he puts in that sort of thermo-biblical, whatever you want to call it, attack, we know that he's got this insane power that just nobody else can respond to. And we see that here on, on these lead outs of the Tour de France. Without Mathieu van der Poel, I don't think Jasper Phillips would have podiumed four stages. He was still there at Limoges when Philipsa was just outgunned by Payerson in the end based on that raw power in the uphill sprint. But Alberson de Koenig could win another two, maybe three stage wins of this Tour de France. Philipsa, I think he might even break a Sagan green jersey record. He's also good on hilly sprints. So if, for instance, that stage de Issoir or the Beaujolais stage, maybe not the Beaujolais stage, but the stage de Issoir comes down to a like a bunch sprint or reduced bunch sprint, Philipsa will be there. And it's just like an easy win. Like when it, like he, Pedersen is, is good on the drag kind of sprints. We've seen that like Paranese in the past in the past couple of years. But Philipson, when if it's like a small reduced group, like he's it's easy, easily. If Vanderpol's there, it's just not even close because Vanderpol just goes woof and just zoom past everyone because he's not like the other lead out men are good, but they're not. Like Matthew Vanderpol is a world class athlete and he is just better than the lead out men because they, they're good at positioning and you know they're very experienced at doing that but Vanderpol has that but then he's actually just faster he is he's just got more watts to deploy 
So it's just like a cheat code that Philipson has where he just says, Van der Poel, let's just go now. And they come from like 10th wheel or whatever, get up to the front. And then he just drops him off with Philipson with the lightning fast speed that he has at the moment. It's an absolutely unstoppable combination. It's actually quite awe-inspiring. I can't think, you know, Cavendish back in 2021 was very similar. And I think it's a very similar sort of esque performance that we're in for this year. And I'm all, I'm all for it. I start a new match of Underpool next year for Mark Cavendish so he can break yeah. the record. There you go. He's, he's like the race course. He literally, okay, we know the Bini barge, but like he literally just drags him up into contention. And then Jasper, he, at one point, I thought he could have just won the stage himself. Also, the stage to Limoges as well. Father Paul could have won that stage. It suited him, but he has the humility to work for Jasper Phillips as well and not cloud his own interests, pushing all the way to the end. He locked Wal Van Aert out of that in, in a way, which I thought was quite sort of. Poetic, if, if if you if you want to read into the, the cyclocross rivalry there, where Laporte is doing the lead up through the center, and Yumbo was sort of like, oh, no one's going to come round on the left hand side. Van der Poel arrives, Phillips opens up, Wout is completely locked out of that sprint, and uh, he has to settle for minor minor placing. So almost every sprint in that Bordeaux one, I think Van der Poel maybe stepped off the gas a little bit too early in that one. Even though Alpsen de Koenig controlled that final three kilometers perfectly with Sinkeldam, with Crownison, then with Ricketts, then Van der Poel. But if he is fighting all the way to the end in Paris, Van der Poel on the Champs-Élysées coming out of that final corner on Place de la Concorde, it's going to be a photo for the ages. Yeah, that's it. What does he actually do? Like, because we're used to him, like, kind of going for a big thing at the tour or the Giro or whatever. And, is he just content with being the leader man here and sharing with his teammates' glory? He's already done enough this year in terms of victories like Parabé, Milan San Remo, so it's not like he needs a victory. I think that there are stages which suit him, though. Like, stage 12, I think he could do definitely do something there, but maybe stage 19 if they didn't go for Philipson. But it does feel a bit weird how somebody of the calibre of Van der Poel may get to the end of this race without having actually really fought for his own victory. It does feel a little bit underutilising talent, and I certainly don't think that you know the team should do that. I reckon Van der Poel should get his own opportunity in this race. Maybe they get later into the race and, and Philipson is literally mathematically won the green jersey competition and they're just like oh let's do it something for Vanderpool. but by that point they might be like god phillips is on for a record for winning the most stages in x number of years because i can't remember what the maximum number of stages is somebody's won in a grand tour i can tell you if you want to know can you? well you could do that as the question yeah what's the uh, how many do you think i think it's like nine or ten i'll go to ten yeah I believe, is it Freddie Mertens that rings a bell? Yeah, I believe we talked about this before. We did, but I can't remember the number. It was Freddie Mertens and a certain number. Uh, it's two, Eddie Merckx, Freddie Mertens, and someone else. The 12? Eight. Oh. Eight? Yeah, God, eight. I was ambitious with 12. How many stage, right, whatever stage for falls. Could Philipson break that? <laughs> okay, Philipson <laughs> could win. So he, he'd win a Moulin, which is stage 11. He might win an Issoir yeah. on, stage on stage 10. Then Juan yeah. in stage 18. Stage 19, he could go for it. And Champs-Élysées, that's an extra five. And he's on three. Ah, so he could, possible, he could draw. But, he could draw level. But I reckon Iswar goes to a breakaway. Mohoric has sort of underlined yeah. it in his diary. 
And I think... Uh, Why are you looking at his diary? Well, he said it. He said it in interviews. <laughs> he was just looking over when he's like writing. Hi, all. Wait a minute. Mate uh, and I are, are, are on good terms. This is this is my my announcement that I am actually Mate Mohoric's agent and negotiating <laughs> him a contract next year. Um, with Paris Cycling Club, I heard there's this new project coming out. Oh my god! Uh, Cavendish and Case Ball are going to be in the lead out, and Nick Schultz is going to be their GC leader. And Mate, I, I feel like you should be the team manager of a Paris Cycling team, bro. I would have done a better job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, we might as well react to some comments as well. Uh, we had a lot of comments on our on our ranking one and uh, sparked a lot of interest. But uh, one of the comments was, I'm not an Israel Primatech fan, but I think you're dead wrong about them. They race brilliantly at the Giro. Not the same lineup, I think, will approach be the same. Expecting some exciting excitement from them for sure. And what have they just done today? They just won with Mike, Mike yeah. Woods. To be fair, they have done something in this race. We were wrong. But that's not to say they won't do anything else. You know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, cracking. Cracking stage. I mean, I mean we will uh, react to our own <laughs> our own uh, <laughs> predictions, obviously, or whatever we call it. But uh, yeah, last week we reacted to the Yates hype as just hype. But I think they're doing quite well still. But nevertheless, today's stage, as we said, we're recording on the Sunday. Puerto Dom, Simon Yates up there, which, yeah, is not too unexpected considering his pedigree as a rider, etc., etc. But Tom Pickock was up there. And another comment was reacting about that as well, saying that he won't be going in breakaways because he is going for GC. So, yeah, I mean, we have a Yorkshireman, Patrick, and apparently having you, Patrick, is making us the best cycling podcast in the English sphere. So... Brilliant. Uh, yeah, well, that was another comment. But um, yeah, Tom Pickock, for will he win the tour? We might as well go there. Oh, well, even I cannot say that I think Tom Pickock will win the tour. I reckon it would have to be a tour which is about a stage long and it's just like downhill and it's just like a TT that's downhill. Maybe he'd win at that point. To be honest, I was, I'll hold my arms up. I was not expecting him to be doing a GC job or if he was, could he to do one? Not one that's going this well. It is, of course, only stage nine. But we've talked in the past about Pidcock as a GC threat. And I will be the first to hold my hands up and say that I didn't think that he really had it because he never really seemed to have the TT. We've never seen him on long climbs. And, you know, we've seen him being good in this first week. Is he probably going to finish inside the top 10? I reckon he could do. To be honest, I reckon that we're kind of breaching un- uncharted territory with Pidcock's GC ability right now, whereby I don't know what to expect. I, I, I hope he freaking wins. That'll be fantastic for Yorkshire, not not UK Yorkshire. By the way, that's just just this uh, is just just a county. But yeah, Pidcock in the future. I mean, like even today, Peter Dom. He was thing is at the end of the day, he got dropped by Pigatra and Vingegaard, which. To win the Tour de France, you do kind of have to be competitive against those guys because they do tend to win this race quite a lot, um, as it turns out. Given that this is his first crack of like a GC, I think we, there might be more to come in the years. In, in the coming years, we'll wait and see. They do seem pretty all in on the Pidcock project, especially after you know we were bashing them last week about what the hell are they doing. 
we've talked about how they're quite in on Pidcock. So I think a top 10 this year, but can you, can you podium a Grand Tour? Maybe in like five years, <laughs> maybe. Maybe of World Tour. But, I mean, this, is, this is the optimistic view. <laughs> I mean, is this winning or podium the World Tour? <laughs> winning not happening. Um, but, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in two minds about this because... Ineos held him back from attacking a lot in that first week. I think he probably could have got the yellow jersey for a little bit, maybe could have been up there with Hindley on that stage to Laurence. And then probably if he had the legs, probably actually could have continued that yellow jersey streak for a little bit longer. He's looking okay. Puy de Dom is a great Pickcock climb, though. That steep gradient towards the end definitely suits him more than um, more than certain other climbs. But at this point last year, he was also in top 10 and completely crumbled in the final week of racing. Yeah, that was his first Tour de France, but who's to say that's not going to happen this year once more? They've got Carlos Rodriguez in a really good position, and I hope Ineos don't invest too much in Pickock and forget about Rodriguez being right up there with a good chance of making the top five, maybe the podium. But for Pickock, I mean, he's had a good couple of days in, in the GC fight, but I wouldn't be shocked if Encore de la Lazi loses six, seven minutes. I don't think you think that's out of the question. I would love to be like, no, you and you're wrong. <laughs> wow, I, I, betrayal. No, can't go back just, to Yorkshire, Yorkshire now. He, right, this is mate. I got pitchforks outside right now. And they're, coming, they're coming down. This is what this is why I'm in Wiltshire. I'm scared. <laughs> scared to speak my true thoughts. I think that he is just he is still kind of like developing, which sounds like a very kind of cliche thing to say, but I feel like he is still kind of developing as a rider he's almost like in an identity crisis of what the hell even is he as a rider does he want to do gc hilly stage races he's kind of like what alaphilippe was in like 2017 or so kind of that kind of thing and we saw alaphilippe in 2019 do a very good crack at the tour that's what i wanted pickcock to do here yeah I thought I thought that this was the perfect tour de france for pickcock to do that alaphilippe 2019 style ride but yeah we missed it. but yeah, I feel like if he is going to do well on a tour, it will be a very Alaphilippe 2019-esque performance. I don't think that's a completely far-fetched thing to expect, considering that they are a very similar rider profile, and they've kind of succeeded in very similar races. But would I have said five years ago, is Alaphilippe going to win a Tour de France? I would probably say no. So therefore, it feels a bit like I'm lying if I was going to say, oh, but Pitcock's different. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a different kettle of fish, I tell you. So I feel like, I don't know, I, I can't say Alaphilippe one way and then Pidcock another. But I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the coming years based upon what we've seen in this first week. I kind of hope that he just drops out of GC and just goes for breakaways, to be honest with you. It's just my personal take. I'll be like, you've had your fun this week, Tom. In 15 minutes, get him a break. Make it fun again, you know? Nobody cares about sixth place in the GC group put tweeted on. Like, yeah. Let like C Rod go do that. Maybe um maybe this year is him sort of finding out the GC discovery and the next year he goes for stages. We've seen that before with a couple riders as well. Where sometimes they try to try to go for stages one year, then they go for the GC the next. But Pickcock finishing inside top ten will be good. This Ineos experiment. Bear in mind they're losing an awful lot of their big GC riders in the off season. Carlos Rodriguez moving over to Movistar. Pavel Sivakov moving across the UAE. We also have Gagan Hart going to Lidl Trek. Thomas isn't getting any younger. Bernal's 
getting older, which seems to be his his downfall. Maybe maybe this is just like Ineos's way of finding out what he could possibly do to fill the shoes of all these guys who are leaving. I mean, yeah. if done stage seventeen, C Rod as Patrick calls him, uh, and uh, Peacock, they're basically similar time in GC. Let's say uh, Rodriguez has a flat. Maybe he's two minutes ahead of uh, Peacock. Do you tell Peacock? He will be. No, tell, leave him. Leave him. Do you tell Peacock to go, or do you tell him, I give say, him your bike? I'd say leave him. He's going to the star. Screw him. Yeah, yeah, I get fair point, actually. <laughs> tell, him yeah. to, tell him to get that Presto arm off and blow into it himself. Get the Shimano neutral service on it. That'll help you. Imagine. But I mean, uh, nevertheless, uh, we might as well move on. Um, in terms of wait, what was I thinking of? In terms of like the GC with Jide Hindley looking like he's going to take third place, we were saying that that third place was going to be quite content. Oh well, a uh, competitive one to say the least. And it looks like it is going to be, despite Hindley still having it and having a bit of a buffer. Simon Yates losing time yesterday on stage eight um, because of the crash. But yeah, do you still think Jared Hindley is in that prime position for the third place on the podium? It's hard to say because he did lose time today, but I'm not sure about He looked like, and well, it was like everybody, but Jai Hindley was especially just getting like, he, he basically just had a waterfall, just teammates just pouring water on him. I'm not sure if he was struggling with the heat or something, but he did lose time today. And that he especially wasn't able to go with the group of like, Pidcock and C-Rod and people, like that kind of selection that happened. And I was quite surprised by that, that he was dropped quite early. He was also sat up quite close to the front, which I didn't really get. I was like, why are you second wheel? Just, just calm, calm down, Jai. I feel like he is, you know, he's a guy who we've seen in Grantos. He gets really good or declines less in the final week. So I think that we're going to see the better of him in the final week, I would expect. Whereas this kind of like second week, first first week, second week, he's always kind of, he kind of, he just builds into the race quite well, does Jai. So I think that we will see him maybe even gain time as we go through the race. But yes, yeah, Simon Yates, like you say, Carlos Rodriguez, they are also contenders for the podium, and I wouldn't write them off at all. I agree, I wouldn't write them off. Yates, Simon Yates in particular, I think, has looked really consistent. He crashed as well and still looks pretty good. But the thing, the thing with Himley is that he's looked good so far. He lost time today, but he's gained time elsewhere in this race. On Coteray, after that long day in the breakaway, still finished best of the rest. At La Rance, he gained minutes and went into yellow. For him, he's already got a big... He had a sort of one-minute two minutes buffer in that classification after that stage to Laurent's helping him really to solidify that third place it would take a lot for him to lose one minute and 30 seconds to Carlos Rodriguez and Simon Yates in that final sort of week and a half of racing I think Hindley will probably get better I think his team is probably weaker than the likes of Ineos Grenadiers and maybe not even Jake Alula. I think Chris Harper is probably similar to an Emu Buchmann profile so I think it's really going to be Henley's to lose. It might be closer with Carlos Rodriguez or Yates, but I, I I really do think he's got enough time right now. Well, I mean, yeah, that we've kind of had a very lengthy discussion about the Tour de France here. There are other races happening. Yes, believe it or not, when the biggest sport or the biggest occasion in cycling is happening, there are other races, which just seems 
stupid when you think about it. We've got the Giordano, the, the tour of Austria, and the Sibio tour as well, where Sam Bennett picked up a couple of stages. But yeah, in terms of the tour of Austria, uh, Donaldson Navajas did particularly well. Someone I know who's from Ecuador said uh, it's so sad because in Ecuador, hardly any focus is put on Navajas. It's all Carapaz. So I don't even know if they care about that in Ecuador. But yeah, out of the other races, has anything really caught your your eyes? D- didn't Superman Lopez win something this week? Oh, yeah. We haven't done our Lopez update. Here we he, go. I can't remember. Wasn't it like some kind Central of American goal? Games? TT <laughs> yeah. Lopez continues. He smashed the time trial ahead of, uh, I think, Caden Hopkins from Bermuda was on the podium. No shade to him. He's on the Total Energy Development Squad. Uh, it would be actually really cool if we had a Bermudan rider in the World Tour or the Pro Continental level. He, but like, he was he like, it's actually pretty good. I think he was like twelfth in the Commonwealth TT last year. He's all bad. There you go. And he, yeah, he's he's on the Vendée Super U team, another supermarket squad uh, to look out for. Also, Maxi Shackman was at Sibiu Tour, which I think says a lot about Maxi Shackman this year that he's just yeah. missing that mark to, to to be at the Tour de France. This is a guy who really like showed so much promise for a while. It's just like fallen apart since 2021, since he said he was targeting the Olympics and didn't even finish in top 20. What have I done to my boy? Matt Shackman. Leonard Van Eintveld won something. He won a stage of somewhere. Sibutal in Romania. Yeah. I'm still like, that's good, good progression. I know he was involved in some weird little thing like a month or so ago. But yeah, that's another... Wasn't the one in there, but yes, TT Lopez, unstoppable performance. Yeah, the amount of wins as well this year, as we talked on, it's almost Merxian. Yeah, he's literally like the most, he's the winningest rider of this season, easily. He's he's so underrated. Totally agree. Also, we should bring up in women's cycling at the Giro Donna, the women's Giro's Talia, Annemie van Vleuten has just won her fourth Grand Tour in a row, which is pretty remarkable. Um, the goat. Um, I mean, it's different. Boss, the boss is a different boss, rider, yeah. but but Anami van Vleut, I would say, at the moment, is like unbeatable. She won the Giro Donna by like three minutes. She'll probably win this year's Tour de France Femme of Zwift. I think this year's Tour de France is probably harder than last year's as well. So I just expect van Vleut to just absolutely decimate the field and um, win the Tour de France in that rainbow jersey. Since Avonpool can't do it in the men's, yeah. Yeah, at you, Ramco. Speaking of which, sorry. What's he done? What's he done now? Magic Lefebvre. Magic Lefebvre um, has said he might sell the team. (laughs) This guy just wakes up on any side of the bed and asks his eight ball, shakes it, and (laughs) announces what he's doing for the day. Anyway, with that out of the way, that bombshell, rider of the week. So Um, Patrick's picking Pitcock. Uh, Ewan? Pogaccia. Okay, it's just me that's the unknown. (laughs) I was was tempted to say somebody else. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll say Pitcock. He's, we're reaching unknown GC territory with GC Pidcock is coming. He's going to come top five. You wait. He's going to do an absolute raid on stage. Hang on. Let me pick a stage. But he's going to raid. He's going to raid stage 20. And that tiny little descent on the end of the Cordula Loz. You wait. He's going to 
gain minutes on that easily. Real talk, stage 14 suits him. Into Morzine, downhill finish. That genuinely suits him. You are, yeah, you're absolutely right. If Pagatra and Vingegaard start faffing around and he just goes, just zooms, zooms past it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in for it, to be honest with you. Like, the kind of maneuvers that he's pulled in crits in the UK, it wouldn't surprise me if he just goes and wins down there. Right over the week, yeah. Yes, but Philipson. Um, Ooh, three three sprint stages in a podium place. That lead out was fantastic. Don't come for me about about his sprinting maneuvers, but he's my rider of the week. I just think it's fabulous what he's done, and I can't quite give it to Pogacar Vingo, given that they both had off days. Phillips has been great. Okay, because my friend told me about uh, Ecuador not being Jonathan Navarre's fans and not giving him enough. Uh, whatever exposure we're gonna do it it's my ride out of the week winning three stages in a five stage stage race and i mean miguel galopez nine in a 10 stage stage race was a bit more impressive but that was that was not this week <laughs> but yeah anyways that's basically it for this our 24th episode next week is going to be our quarter of a century uh episode so that's going to be quite interesting but um we should do something special for that. 25th something. We I don't should. Know. Yeah, we'll have a, a Pidcock celebration. That's what we'll do. <laughs> but anyways, make sure to comment down below to get involved in the chat and hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel here on the Cycling Gain. Uh, the Cycling, the Echelon Cycling Podcast. And of course, as always, make sure to check out Patrick's channel, the Audu Cycling channel, which is down below. We have the Cycling Dane as well, the Cycling Dane Extra, which is all down below in the description. So with that, thank you very much for watching or listening, and we will see you next week.